in the city of Prague during World War II was a real-life superhero fighting the Nazis. And then we traveled to America to take a look at one of our most famous real-life superheroes, Phoenix Jones. We'll profile his rise and his fall today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. You're like, Jason, are you, are you, what's up with your voice? Well, I still have this sinus infection. I'm still super congested up in my nose. You guys are saying, you, you sound more like a Muppet than you normally do. Ah, yeah, I know. What are you going to do? It's a daily show. I don't want to miss episodes just because I sound super congested. But other than this sinus infection going on, I'm totally healthy. Guys, don't be worried. I'm self-isolated. I'm doing really good. So I hope you guys are good as well. Let's go ahead and get started with today's episode. We got a lot of stuff to cover here. First off, let's hop in the Carpenter Copter. We're headed to Czechoslovakia, the country somewhere in Eastern Europe. We're flying over... And as we're going over to Czechoslovakia, does that my country still even exist? Oh, that's Yugoslavia that disappeared. And we're also going back in time to World War II. So not a not a high point for Eastern Europe. There, there, there weren't many, to be honest. It seems that it's always been kind of a rough go over there. You had territorial warlords for the longest time, and then things kind of got settled. And then Hitler came in and took over a bunch of stuff, started executing people. And then the saviors, the glorious Soviet Empire... Saved them from the Nazis. The people are like, yay, we're free. And the Soviets are like, mm-mm-mm, that's what you thought. And they are put up the Iron Curtain for about 50 years. And now we are here today, Czechoslovakia. But we're not here today. We are in World War II. And we're in the streets of Prague. There's Nazis walking down the street, doing Nazi stuff, just generally being a pain to the Czechoslovakian citizens. And you also have Czechoslovakians who are informants, who are turncoats. Working with the Nazis, because they're like, oh yeah, I want some of that sweet, sweet Nazi power. I'm going to turn in my own people for minor infractions. But there's someone in the shadows in the streets of Prague. A man watching. Waiting. He doesn't have to wait. There's evil around every corner. It'd basically be the best place to be a vigilante. Because basically you're like... My, you wouldn't need a bat signal. There's crime everywhere. You have Nazis and collaborators on every single street corner. So, I mean, you just walk down the street and just start punching people. You're going to hit a Nazi eventually. Anyways, this guy springs into action. But boing Now, that wasn't a turn of phrase. But boing A man jumps out of the shadow, super high, 20, 30 feet, but boing And lands right behind a Nazi, punches him in the back of the neck. Oh, oi, my neck! bounces away sees two collaborators being like who should we rat on next oh that girl turned me down for a date we should say that she's hiding some jews in her but boing the dude bounces on top of his head multiple times uh, uh, uh. pushes him into the dirt the other collaborator runs away but boing not for long so he just does this okay so just imagine for the course of world war ii this dude was jumping on people now this Okay, so this guy, his name is Parak, a.k.a. the Spring Man, or the Springer, is what his name means. And throughout World War II, there was rumors of an invent... So this is... He basically has two origin stories, okay? Some people swear that this guy is real. People nowadays go, it's an urban legend, because when they look in Nazi and police reports, 
There's no men, which were the same thing back then because the police were the collaborators. There was no reports of a man with springs on his feet boinging all over the city stopping crime. To be fair, I wouldn't put that down in a report. I mean, it's Nazi, it's Nazi controlled territory, right? You're not going to be like, um, I lost those, those people I was supposed to kidnap because a man baboinged on my head. Like, you're not going to put that. You're just going to be like, uh, they ran away. They just dissolved. They just dissolved right in front of me. So you, you're not going to put that there's a superhero chasing you down the street. Anyways, some people swear this guy's real. Other people think it was just a legend, but he has two origin stories. One, there was an inventor who was like, how do I fight crime? I'm just a lowly inventor. I know. All, and he put, well, cut to the chase. He's an inventor, he puts springs on his shoes. Some people specifically say they're springs from a couch, which I've never met a couch that boingy, because apparently he could jump over rail cars, which, okay, that's a bad image. When we're talking about the Holocaust, we're talking about World War II. Can they, come on, he's just bouncing over trains. He doesn't stop them. They keep headed east, he's just bouncing over them. They could have come up with a better image for something that's bouncing over a building, perhaps. But anyways, an origin story about a guy who put uh, springs on his shoes. The reason why part of me thinks this is real, you're like, Jason, you can't actually believe that a guy can bounce over structures. Well, we can talk about physics later. The reason why I think this might be true, because that's such a stupid power, right? Like, if I was making up a power, it would be he could turn invisible, or he could, like, transform himself into, like, I don't know, anything, really. You don't need to have a limit on that. If you're making it up, he can transform himself into, like, a a he-man, and he's ripping Nazis in half and stuff like that. If you're making it up, why do you just give him this power to jump really high with springs on his feet? Makes me think it might be true. But when folklorists look at this, because what happened was, whether or not the police were writing this down, everyone believed in Prague, believed in Patar. Everybody. And when anything went wrong, they blamed it on him. Like a munition truck explodes, or it was Patar. I'm walking down the street and all my groceries fall out of my hand. It was Patar. When folklorists look back on this, they go, we see stories of a springing man in Prague, all the way back to like the 1890s, almost a contemporary to spring Jack in England. What's interesting about that is spring Jack, it was kind of like a, he was sexually molesting women. They leave that part out of a lot of the monster books for kids. That's the first time I ever heard about spring Jack. There's a little monster toy line. It was like, remember those muscle characters, the little rubbery muscle guys? They had a toy line like that, but they were all classic monsters. And I remember one of the first ones I got was Springheel Jack. And it was like, this menacing man jumps over buildings. And then maybe about a year and a half ago, I was doing research for a show. And he didn't jump over buildings. He jumped into buildings and sexually assaulted the women inside. Springheel Jack, he was, he's known for jumping everywhere. But when you look into the actual myth, he was, he was constantly uh, assaulting women, pinching their butts at the least. So when I saw this, I go, that's weird. Like, one, it's weird that you have two bouncing people, but if this guy was a contemporary of Spring Hill Jack in the 1890s, why did he become a hero character in the 1940s? But this is why. He wasn't a hero character in the 1940s, actually. So what happened? This is, his, this is from what they can gather, because see, part of the problem is, is that this guy was totally believed in during World War II. People, people had heard stories about him before, but during World War II, you had all of these things happening People were blaming Patar. And then when the Soviets freed, quote-unquote freed Prague and took over, 
the legend of Pitar was put to rest. You can't have this guy jumping around, or maybe he was actually arrested by the KGB, or maybe he joined the KGB, who knows. But the Soviet Union said no more stories about Pitar. So it wasn't until the fall of the Iron Curtain where you had people going back and researching this stuff and going like, well, there's a lot of like stuff about this, but there's not a lot of real documents because they were suppressed for so long. The Nazis didn't want to hear about it. People were afraid to go to work during World War II. People blamed every problem on Pitar. And then the Soviets took over. They didn't want to hear about it either. There's a really cool cartoon, and I actually included it in the show notes. It's called A Spring Man and the SS is what it's called. It's in the show notes. Check it out. It's like 14 minutes long. It's kind of a really cool little cartoon that talks about it. It has the spring man. It's just a uh, chimney sweep, which was another origin story, but that didn't really make any sense. This is the weird thing. So like I said, you had stories of him back in the 1890s, right? And then you had stories of him in World War II. And today he's celebrated as a war hero fighting the Nazis. And he has cartoons and theater based on a bunch of books coming out of Czechoslovakia. It's considered Czechoslovakia's only superhero. But here's the weird part. So he, sh- he does show up. These are the things that everyone agrees on. He shows up in, during World War II mostly, bounces around on people, and fights the Nazis towards the end of the war. For the first couple of years, and the reason why people were so afraid of him and people wouldn't go out at night and the Nazis were like, dude, we need you to build these bullets for us. We need this cheap slave labor. And people were like, no. I'm not, I don't want to leave my house and watch your factory because this guy is, this, this guy is going to bounce on top of me. The people of Prague, for the first couple years of the war, did not see him as a hero. He was raping and murdering people. He would bounce out of the shadows and rape you, bounce out of the shadows and murder you, or both. And the Nazis were like, that's impossible. And the citizens were like, then who is raping and murdering us? Like, why can't you catch this guy? And that lat people refused to work. And at some point, he became a figure of, like, hero. He became a hero figure versus not being a villain anymore. What cha- made that change? At what point were you like, oh, that mythological figure we made up? Yeah, now he's the good guy. Now the, the, it would be the equivalent of if all of a sudden everyone agreed that the boogeyman was actually like an undercover cop. And he was, like, hiding in the shadows. He started arresting criminals. You'd be like, wait, no, 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 I remember the boogeyman, he like hit under my bed and like ate my dog. No, 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 no. Well, he did that, but now he's a good guy. It, it was that deep of a myth that people refused to leave their house. People, people were telling the Nazis no, because they were afraid of this guy was going to rape and murder them. And then that guy becomes a national hero. To this day, people still use Patar as like this symbol of resistance. But that's that's a pretty weird origin story. At what point do you like, hmm, I've raped. I've raped and murdered so many people in this city. I hate them so much. But you know what I hate even more? Nazis. So let's team up. City, that city that I've terrorized forever. Everyone's all huddled in the corner. Do you want to team up? They're like, yes, just whatever you want to do as long as it's not towards us. He's like, yes. What origin story is that? But anyways... So that is the story. And that's int- that makes him more like Spring Hill Jack. Honestly, that's what I was like. Why is he... Cons- Spring Hill Jack was a... Se- oh, there he goes. Yeah, he's a sexual predator too. So, totally weird. Also, also just to show you how weird Czechoslovakian people are, there is a another guy at the time who walked around with razor blades taped to his fingers and he was just slashing people as they were walking down the street. So listen, man, either Czechoslovakians have a really weird imagination or there were real-life superheroes walking around in World War II. Most likely, the spring-heeled guys made up. 
But then who was raping and murdering all those people? I mean, yeah, like a truck driving down the street and the wheels falling off and you being like, Batar! And you just think of him as like some sort of gremlin that's constantly interfering with stuff. That's fine. But when people are dead in the street and they're like, who did this? Like, that's an actual crime. When someone's like, I got raped. And they're like, who did it? And she's like, I don't know. He jumped like two houses away. And they're like, uh, like, that's the difference between like a gremlin type character and an actual criminal. But let's go ahead and quickly leave Prague. We're like running for our lives now. Come back. The guy's bouncing after us. I'm a good guy. For now. Uh, we run. We get on the carpenter copter. <laughs> the tires are all slashed in the carpenter copter. But it's fine. It's a copter. We don't need tires. We're flying off to Seattle. Now, a long time ago, really early on in the show, I kind of did an overview of real life superheroes. So some of this stuff might be... A repeat, but I mean, it had to be like episode like fifty or sixty, and, and and I find the the idea super fascinating. This is real life superhero special, by the way, which I didn't announce earlier, but I find the whole thing totally fascinating. Let's come up to Seattle, Washington, and there we're going to meet who I could. Oh, and you know, before we do this, before we do this, Dead Rabbit recommends real quick before I forget. Everyone's inside right now, or you should be. If you can be, if you're out working and you have to work, then totally that's fine. You don't need my permission, but that's awesome because you're keeping everything going. But if you don't need to be outside, just it sucks, but just stay inside. There's a documentary. It was made on HBO. There's a copy on YouTube. It's in the show notes. It's called Superheroes. It's a documentary about real-life superheroes. I've watched it I don't know how many times. It's one of those documentaries that I've... When other, I've been hanging out with other people, I was like, dude, you want to see something dope? And I've watched it with friends. There's three documentaries that I recommend all the time. They're all extremely rare because I'm a hipster when it comes to my documentaries. Superheroes is one of them. Link in the show notes. Dig. There's a documentary called Dig, which is one of the best documentaries are all, all three of these documentaries. It's all about being in the right place at the right time. Superheroes is kind of just a collection of interviews, but you get to see these people who all believe that they're superheroes. And some of them actually seem to be, and some of them are just drunk, drunk weirdos, but superheroes dig. It's a story of two bands that I never heard of before this, before I watched the documentary, the band, you have the dandy Warhols and the Brian Jonestown Massacre. They're both completely no-name bands at the beginning of the documentary. This director just decides to take these two bands and start following them around. And it's such a story of the creative process, of, of the music industry, of drug abuse, of Dig. Dig. Dig is a great one if you can find it. It's really, really hard. And then the third best documentary is Overnight. Overnight is brilliant. It's another document. All three of those documentaries I've showed to multiple people. Overnight is the story of the making of the Boondock Saints. You're like, what? <laughs> that movie about the two guys just shooting everyone? It's a story of a man who works at a bar who writes a script and gives it, it sells it to Harvey Weinstein, who's basically the villain of this movie. But is, is Harvey Weinstein, it's a true story. Is Harvey Weinstein the villain of the movie? Or is Troy Duffy, the guy who made the movie, it, it, so self-destructive? Overnight is probably the best example of a documentary filmed at the right time. Because his buddies are filming their buddy making a feature film. And everything that came out of it. Great, great. But anyway, so super. if you want something to watch, Superheroes, you can find that easily on YouTube. And the link's there. Overnight is usually streaming everywhere. Dig 
incredibly hard to find. But if you're into music or the creation of music or the music business or just creativity in general, creative geniuses, dig. All of them are great. Anyways, Dead Rabbit recommends all three of those documentaries. So let's go ahead and take a look, though. We're going to Seattle, Washington. So in 2011, there is formed a group of superheroes for Seattle known as the Rain City Superhero Movement, or RCSM. They could have picked a better name, right? Couldn't they have been like the Seattle superheroes or something like that? You had all of these. I didn't even know there was this many superheroes in Seattle, or really alive. But yeah, when I, the superheroes, they're, they walk around in costume, and they say, stop doing that. Now, some of them beat up drug dealers and then get, like, stabbed. Some of them stop fights or start fights. A lot of times they do social work. So they're handing out sandwiches to the poor and talking to kids about don't doing drugs and stuff like that. All that stuff's important. I don't think you should be walking around punching drug dealers. But if no one else is doing it and you can get away with it, I had to add that caveat. Don't walk up, punch a drug dealer, and then, you know, get your family shot up or go to jail or any of that. But anyways, superheroes, they're not flying around town. They're not stopping bank robberies. But the thing is, is like they think they are, which is what makes this so funny. They don't think they're flying around. I don't know. They might. But all of this stuff I find... I've always been fascinated by these guys. I think in a little part of my brain, a little bit jealous. I wish I had the physical fitness or the balls to put on a costume and walk around and go and stop. Evildoer here, homeless person. Have this sandwich. You, put down that baseball bat. But I'm playing baseball. It's a weapon. Put it down. Here, you homeless person. Have your sandwich. You already gave me two. Ah, ha, ha. My work here is done. I wish I could do that. I can't. Since I can't, let's make fun of these people who do. So Rain City Superhero Movement, these are these are the people who are involved in this, some of them at least. So in 2011, we have this Rain City Superhero Movement with these superheroes in it. These are real people. I'm not making these names up. These people fought crime and or gave hobo sandwiches. You had Thorn, Buster Doe. You remember famous Buster Doe? He stopped that uh, nothing. He didn't, he didn't stop anything. We have No Name. We have uh, Penelope. It's kind of a cute name. Not very superhero-ish, but cute name. Um, Skyman. His power was whenever he looked up, he could see the sky for miles and miles and miles. We had El Cal- Cal- Caballero. El, Cab- El Caballero. His, his superpower was podcast host could never pronounce his name. And that way no one could ever make fun of him. El Caballero. I think it means cowboy in Spanish. Purple Rain, but it's spelled R-E-I-G-N. Now, see, that's the type of thing, like, let's say you save a young damsel in distress. She's getting mugged. You jump down from the rooftop, and then you, like, say, stop, evildoer, and the guy runs away. And as you're tending your two broken ankles, she goes, what's your name? And he goes, Purple Rain. But you gotta spell it R-E-I. And she's already walking away. No, come back. Come back. Don't don't spell it the wrong way. It's R-E-I-G-N. Oh, my ankles. Like, I get it. It looks good on a comic book page. But you can't do that. I'll say this. So you have the Rain City superhero movement. You have all these superheroes. This is, on the Wikipedia page, they list a couple of crimes that they stopped. And they're like, oh, they chased down a sexual offender. Which is good. I shouldn't be <laughs> I'm glad I was super dis- Oh, good job, guys. Chasing down a sexual offender. I don't mean like that. I mean like that's super vague, right? 
Like, was he, like, was he currently offending someone? Or was he, like, on the registered sex offender list and he was walking down the street and they're like, get him! Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, okay, okay, to be fair, now that I've read more of this sentence, it said, chased down and aided in the apprehension of a sex offender. Okay, so, yes, he probably was doing it at that time. I didn't mean to be super dismissive. The reason why is that that's in a list of stuff. So they're like, we stopped carjackings, we helped stranded vehicles on the highway, stop people from driving drunk, they also said that, which is a great thing. So is stopping carjackings. But then they go into detail about this one particular thing. And this is what I'm saying. So they go, I want to know more details about them stopping the sexual offender, because now I look like I don't like them doing that. No, you should stop the sexual offenders. I just think it's weird that that's in a list of stuff, but we have one crime that's more detailed. So here's what happened. This group, the Rain City Superhero Movement, all these people walking around in their superhero costumes, they come across four... I I do not believe this happened. This is totally made up. I do not believe this happened. They're walking down... A bunch of superheroes are walking down the street in the real world, apparently, and there's four cops. Or are they just people dressed as police officers? Okay. (laughs) And so these superheroes see four cops walk up to a blind man and go, hey, you, we need to search your pockets. And the blind man's like, what, what? And they put the blind man against the wall and they start going through his pockets and they're stealing all of this blind man's stuff. And the superheroes go look at each other and like, what? Those police officers are stealing from that blind man. So the cop, so the superheroes show up and they confront the cops and the cops freak out. And it turns out they're not cops. There are four people dressed in police uniforms robbing a blind man, and they run off, and the superheroes retrieve all of their stuff. Let me explain why that story is not true. Let's think about this for a second. One, why would you need four fake cops? Wouldn't it just one fake cop just walking down the street being like, sir, turn around, show me your license registration, let me see your wallet? That works. Let's say they wanted four. So now not only do you have to go through the trouble of getting one police uniform, you have to get four of them. So now you have four authentic police uniforms, right? So that way, when you tell people, when you tell people, get against the wall, we're the police, we need to search you for drugs and contraband, they will look at you and realize that you're cops. If you're doing it to a blind person, you can be wearing sweatpants. If you're robbing a blind person, you don't need to go through the trouble of getting a police uniform. You just walk up and go, I'm a cop. What? Turn around and and stand against the wall. Okay, officer. Okay. Why did they get four cop uniforms to rob one blind guy when you don't need any police car? You just rob rob a blind guy. Why would you even go through the rigmarole of of any sort of, what's he going to do? He's blind. Just walk up and take stuff out of his pockets. Anyways, I don't believe that story happened at all. Okay, so anyways, anyways. Let's talk about Phoenix Jones. Phoenix Jones. Now, I think that kind of sets... I wanted to go over the kind of the whole thing because these people seem to kind of exaggerate stuff. They really do seem to kind of exaggerate stuff. But let's... That group dissolved in 2014. And Phoenix Jones started working on his own. Now, Phoenix Jones... Started fighting crime back in 2009. His origin story is is spectacular. His origin story is as spectacular as you could imagine a real-life superhero story would be. Because it's real life. You're not walking down the street. 
and your millionaire parent or billionaire parents uh, get assassinated, and then you fight crime because bats or something like that. You're bit by a radioactive spider. It's the real world, okay? Phoenix Jones. <laughs> so Phoenix Jones in 2000, before 2009. I don't know exactly when this happened. And also, the origin story seems to change from article to article, so I don't want anyone, any fans of real-life superheroes being like, that's not it. Well, it changes, and sometimes it's more drastic than other times, but... The earliest thing I could find when it's kind of... Because he was a martial artist. He was like a Taekwondo world champion. And he did mixed martial arts. And and he's won a bunch of fights and stuff like that. So he knows how to fight. But anyways, so he had all that technique, all that training. But he needed the match lit. He needed to find that fire of justice inside of him. Inside all of us, really. He was hoping to inspire all of humanity. But before any of that, he's walking down the street. And (laughs) he's walking down the street with his son. And he gets to his car, and the window has been busted open. No! Someone broke into my car, and he's like, what happened? And then, his son is... (laughs) His son is walking, obviously, with him. And his son, apparently, slips on... So there's broken... There's broke. I want you to imagine this as a comic book. There's broken glass everywhere. Phoenix Jones is like, no, he's shaking his hand at the sky. He's not paying attention. His son, I don't know how old his son is, but his son is walking. He slips on the broken glass that's on the ground and it cuts him up. And then he's like, why? Why? Now you're like, Jason, that's horrible. That's horrible. Why are you making fun of a little boy getting cut by glass? Well, here's the thing. One, I don't know if it even happened. Two, if it did happen, it sucks, right? But that's kind of a weird, <laughs> that's kind of a weird origin story. And then, see, in some articles, he just got injured on the glass. Which, even if you slipped and fell, I guess you'd have to, like, it, it, one, glass isn't like marrow. His, his window wasn't made out of grease. But anyways, he walks, his lips on the grass. One version of the story, the son had to go to the ER. So that's sad. But that was, I read a lot of articles on this, and it was only in one version. The other version is that him and his buddy were out at a bar and his buddy got in a fight and Phoenix Jones like didn't know what to do. So he threw on a ski mask and jumped around the corner and, quote, made a commotion until the people left and the cops showed up or something like that. And I'm thinking, wait a second. So you're you're a fight. He is a fighter. Like, we know that. We, we do know his record because he did actually compete in a lot of MMA stuff. He is a fighter, but your buddy's getting beat up. You, you take the time to run around the corner. Do you just have a ski mask on you? Was there one in the garbage can? And then come back? And the guys are already left anyways, and you're like, oh. And then there's a version of that story where his friend had a permanent facial injury. Come on, man. Like, what? Like, something like that is generally reported in all the articles. His friend was left with a horrible injury, and every time Phoenix Jones looked at his friend, he thought, somebody has to do something. So he put on a costume. Whatever the case, both of those stories supposedly happened. His son slipped on some glass... Got cut up. His son became his own superhero, Glass Boy. That wherever he went, he was, that was his superpower, was slipping on glass. He was like Iceman. He's like, I'll get down from this cliff real fast. He like throws glass in front of him and like slides everywhere. Whee! Everyone's all getting blind. That's how the guy became blind in that first story. Some kid was just throwing glass and then sliding on it and cut my eyeballs out. Anyways, so he decides to start fighting crime. Now, his first costume he wore all spandex. 
He wore a tuxedo over the spandex. And according to him, I, I don't know how much I can actually like believe these stories, but according to him, we'll just I, I've told stories about Mormon Bigfoot. I think I can trust Phoenix Jones. Phoenix Jones was standing on a rooftop, his very first time fighting crime. He was standing on a rooftop wearing a tuxedo. Underneath was his spandex uniform. <laughs> Dude, don't I don't know why the tuxedo either. I don't know why a tuxedo either. But anyways, he's on the rooftop and his idea was to rip off the tuxedo and then run around in spandex. He sees a mugging, and he's like, oh, no, i got to get down there. And according to him, it took him five minutes to get down off the building. And then he runs over, and the woman had already been mugged, and she's like, what are you doing? You look like Count Chocula here. Like, that's, the actual quote is, well, that's pretty close, actually. The actual quote is, quote, this is what she said. What are you doing? He already left. You look like Count Chocula. You look stupid. I don't believe that happened. Like, I don't believe, I don't believe that she's dropping pop culture references after being mugged. What do you mean? You look like Thomas the Tank Engine, but without the Thomas or the Tank Engine. You look like nothing because you're a big old loser. I don't I don't believe that story. I do believe he's probably running around in tuxedo. I do believe that he probably saw a mugging he couldn't stop, but I don't think she turned around with a witty one-liner. But anyways, anyway, so that, that happened according to him. That was back in 2009. He continues fighting crime, quote-unquote, in uh, 2011, the first time that he got in the news was um, some guy's car was getting stolen. Phoenix Jones shows up. At this point, at a certain point, he starts wearing body armor. He has, like, ballistic armor. He has his own private doctor. They made he So at one point, he got stabbed. I was reading this article. He gets stabbed, right? And they said, Jones fixed his suit up and then got treated by his private doctor. And I'm thinking, I, everyone has a private... I have a private doctor. Everyone has a private doctor. When I go to the doctor, there's not four other people sitting in the room with me. They try to make it sound like he went to go see Alfred. Your private doctor is your doctor that you pay for, right? I don't think this guy has a doc. Just a, that's the only thing the doctor does. Doctor's like, oh man, hope Phoenix Jones gets shot tonight. I really need to make a car payment. Uh. Everyone has a private doctor, journalist. You're trying to make it sound like he basically is a superhero. I mean, he's stopping crime. That's great. It's really good. But I also, I'm super suspicious about a lot of the stuff, a lot of the adventures that you guys are having. Where I grew up, you would watch people beat each other up and you'd be like, okay, do you want us to keep sitting in this Burger King or should we leave? Because we're not getting in the middle of that. Like, the only time you would get in the middle, you would rarely see this. I'm trying to think of a time that I'd seen this. The only time you'd ever get in the middle of a fight is when it was someone who was much bigger than the other person. And even then, it was like, I remember once I came across the fight, and it was between a guy who was, I don't know, a 200-pound weightlifter out of prison and his 19, 18-year-old daughter. And he was throttling her. And I just walked up, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I, what I did was I just put my hands on his shoulders. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I knew both of them. Whoa, 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 man. Come on, come on, come on. He let her go. Put my hands on him to let him know I'm here. I'm standing behind you. You're overreacting. Uh, you know, let's, uh, uh, uh. I didn't jump in the middle of him and go, stop, evildoer, because now I'm escalating it. Perfect example. One day, Phoenix Jones was walking down the street, and he saw two men arguing, and he did jump in the middle of them. And one of them got him in a headlock. The other guy pulled out a gun and broke his nose, started pistol whipping him in the face. And then they both left. So you don't really jump in the middle of fights. It's super not smart. That's why domestic violence incidents are so dangerous for cops. I made an offhand reference to that in the last episode. I was like, cops hate doing those. 
Because what happens is you go up, knock on the door, the cops come in. Guys fighting the wife, the wife's fighting the husband. You start to separate them, and then they're like, "Get off my wife!" And now you're now you got you're fighting two people at once. They hate doing domestic violence stuff. So, anyways, I mean, like, yeah, I think it's cool to fight crime, but I don't think it's feasible in that way. I think that's one of the follies of youth. I don't know how many of these real life superheroes exist in their forties and their fifties because as you get older, you go, "I'll just make a phone call to the police," or. I'll just, just don't, I mean, you can give sandwiches out to anybody. Maybe also, that's the weird thing about it. There seems to be a weird egotistical thing about this. Because can't you just hand out sandwiches to the police? Not the police, I don't need sandwiches. Can't you just hand out sandwiches to the homeless people anyways? Why do you need the costume? But, like Bane once said, nobody cared about me until I wore the mask. If Phoenix Jones was just out doing, uh, handing out sandwiches and stuff like that, would anyone have paid attention to him? Now, Phoenix Jones actually has retired now. He's retired. He was on a podcast called the Northwest Nerd Podcast. NW Nerd Podcast. And he gives this quote. Kind of heartbreaking. We've had a lot of fun at this dude's expense. We have a quote. This is in March of 2019. Quote, I've seen what people do to each other. And I live with it every day. Every day I live with horrible, horrible things. And I think to myself... Apparently, apparently he's, he's Barack Obama now. And I think to myself, I made a difference. But I didn't make a difference. It didn't make a difference. The difference was supposed to be the people who saw a superhero being inspired to not act this way anymore. We have not gotten that lesson. We didn't get it at all. The shots, the stabbings, the bullets. It wasn't worth it. No one got it. Maybe I stopped an individual situation, but people were supposed to get better. So he was wearing the suit as a symbol. He was wearing a suit to inspire the population of Seattle and hopefully the world. Let's see this man. He fought crime from 2009 to 2019. And ton of stuff. I, he'd pop up in the media every once in a while for being one, some sort of crazy antic or another. He says that he stopped a bunch of people from blowing up City Hall in Seattle. Again, I don't believe that. I don't believe that's true. I believe that he was at a May Day protest. Apparently, May... You're like, that was such a poignant... How do you pronounce that? That was such a great moment. Now you're back to making fun of this guy. And you can't pronounce poignant. But anyways, on May 1st, 2012, Phoenix Jones, El Cabrero, and Midnight Jack were undercover at a black block protest. Oh, hate the U.S. Hate the U.S. Down with banks. And the superheroes are undercover and they hear some guys being like, hey, you got the explosives? You're, yep, right here, right here in this bag. It's full of dynamite and a bunch of other of comical bombs. Here's, here's a bomb with a giant fuse out of it that says bomb on it. Good. Now let's just get these to City Hall and we'll blow it up. <laughs> then everyone will agree with our anarchist ways. That's the best way to achieve people to come to our point of view. Terrorism. Phoenix Jones, El Cabrero, and Midnight Jack look at each other. They go and they tell the cops, hey, those guys are going to blow up City Hall, and the cops refuse to stop it. So, the trio of heroes have to beat them to City Hall, and while they're there, they start getting beat up, and apparently one of them, uh, he denies this, but uh, one of the superheroes sprayed the protesters with pepper spray. And they prevented 
They prevented the bombing. What I think happened was some knuckleheads in the crowd. You always get some weirdos like, you know what would be awesome, dude? You know what really show them? If we blew up that building and someone else being like, yeah. And I know that that guy's just running his mouth. Most people know they're just running their mouth. And that's why if they went to the cops and said, hey, this guy's talking about blowing up a building. Oh, yeah, whatever. I don't think they actually had comically sized bombs on them. And the police refused to do nothing. The police are part of the plan. They're like, oh, yes. If only we could, if only we had the guts to blow up the Capitol. But these black block protesters, they will do it. I don't believe that story. I believe that they overheard someone threatening to blow something up. I.e., they're on any college campus, right? There's always radicals on every level, basically anywhere young people gather. You're going to get people talking about blowing up this or blowing up that. So, you're like, Jason, where do you... Where do you hang out? Where where are you going? That you're like, bomb threats. It's no big deal. What? They're threatening to blow that stuff up? I don't care. There's just smoldering ruins all behind me. I'm like, fake news. Uh, uh, uh. Yes, I'll hold this bag of bombs that are lit. What? No. <laughs> but anyways, I've heard tons of weirdo threats like that. Anyways, so he retires, March 2019. And I, I, I hope you don't, I hope you guys know, I kind of like Phoenix Jones, right? Like, I'm making fun of all this stuff, but at the same time, I admire him. I know the episode, it seems to be a little weird, because I'm like, totally making fun of this guy, but I get where his heart is at. Like I said, if I was younger and wasn't as, like, realizing how the world worked, if I was much younger and I didn't understand logic, I would also want to go out to fight crime. But it's just, you can't really do that. I think, I've always said this, you can't save the world, but you can save the people in it. You can affect lives one at a time. Handing out food to the homeless, that's awesome. Not now. Don't do it now. Stay inside. Don't do any of this stuff now. But when things, when this is all over, community service is great. Starting your own community service is totally fine too. If there's like groups in the area, you don't necessarily want to work with them. There's tons of stuff you can do. I totally agree with that. And I, I enjoy that part of it. At the same time, you can you I think you'd be more effective working with a drug prevention program with middle school students and high school students than you would be beating up a drug dealer because then the other drug dealer is going to be like great now my territory has expanded because you be this guy so or just become a cop or a judge or a lawyer or anything there's a lot of different ways you can do this without putting on a mask but he retires in 2019 now that all the superheroes are gone in Seattle. There's whispers of a super criminal in the city. An unstoppable drug dealer. So maybe these superheroes were actually doing some good. Because now you have a drug dealer who's moving a lot of product. There's a drug dealer operating in Seattle that the police didn't even know about. They know drugs are being sold. Obviously, that's part of their job. Not selling the drugs, but part of their job. Well, some of the cops might, but... Part of their job is to track and stop drug dealers. They know drugs are coming through. But finally, this informant, this um, confidential informant for the police goes, I'm surprised that nobody has caught this drug dealer yet. The cops are like, what drug dealer? And they're like, there's a really big drug dealer operating in Seattle. You guys don't even know about it. Police are like, well, okay, okay, Einstein, like, don't leave us in suspense. You're an informant. You're supposed to inform us. Quit trying to be dramatic. And the informant goes, one of the biggest drug dealers that is out right now that you can't catch is Phoenix Jones. Police begin an investigation of Phoenix Jones. 
just months after announcing his retirement. He retires in March of 2019. By November, the police are setting up deals online to buy Molly or MDMA. But they can't catch him. He's slick. They're making these deals, and when he makes an appointment to show up at the spot to move the product, he's not there. He's at a different spot. The drops are changing. Everything is constantly moving. It takes three months of them tracking him down before they finally arrest the former superhero, Phoenix Jones, with four grams of cocaine and 31 grams of an unknown white powdery substance. I mean, it's probably not confectionary sugar, right? It's most likely the MDMA. They caught him with distribution. They're charging him with drug dealing, all of this stuff. And at his bail hearing, the police were like, don't, don't, do not let this guy out on bail. And the judge let him out on bail. So he's walking free now. He's probably self-quarantined now, but. That is the story of Phoenix Jones. A man whose broken window caused him to wage a one-man war on crime for 10 years. And then for a couple of years, he was with other people. But you get the point. The Dark Knight, you guys knew I was going to say this. The Dark Knight had that great quote, you either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And that fits this perfectly. A man who risked his life, and he could pronounce that word correctly, a man who risked his life He did get stabbed. He did get shot. He went to his private doctor. He went to his private doctor who worked at Kaiser. A man who who put his life on the line to save us. Us homo sapiens. Us normal people. And in the end, he became disillusioned with the hero thing. For ten years he put on that costume. For ten years he went out and saved people. And each night As the sun was rising, that's the morning. Each morning, when the sun was rising and was headed back to his secret headquarters, a a house that he lived in with his family, every morning he thought, I made a difference tonight. I became a symbol. People will change. But for ten years, the sun rose and the sun set, and nothing changed. The people of Seattle continued to use drugs, to beat each other up, to beat him up. That never changed either. Ten years, he became disillusioned and said, enough. Tired of being a symbol. I'm tired of risking my life. It's time to put away the cowl. Become a citizen. And then (laughs) become a drug dealer. And then he became part of the problem. And every morning, As he walked back to his house, a pocket full of cash, the other pocket empty because there used to be drugs in it, he thought, I couldn't be a symbol of hope, so I will be the problem. I will be the drug dealer. I will make money for me. Nothing else matters. Just me. How the mighty have fallen. From hero to zero. From Phoenix Jones, the superhero, to Benjamin... (laughs) (laughs) This is his real name. 
from Phoenix Jones to Benjamin John Francis. From Benjamin John Francis Fodor. From the lofty superhero name of Phoenix Jones to man on trial, Benjamin John Francis Fodor. We can't choose fate. Some people are fated to be successful. Some people are fated to slip and fall on glass. But it's the things we do with what fate gives us that either makes us a survivor or makes us become disillusioned, quit, and become the very thing you've always fought against. Which, to me, is the greatest tragedy of all. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. And Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I'll see you guys tomorrow. Love you guys.